You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That was insane. I don't know any better way to say it than that, so... Folks, welcome in to a jubilant post-game episode of Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily and post-game commentary on the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. What a bizarre and amazingly thrilling evening it was at Toyota Center on Monday evening. The Rockets with a 120-99 win over the Jazz. The Rockets are now 25-4 on the year. They've won 14 consecutive games, 20 of their past 21. If you had said going into the game that they'd win by 21 over the Jazz, especially the Jazz without Rudy Gobert and without Jared Favors, you'd say, yeah, that sounds about right. But the route that the Rockets took to get there, boy, they're actually down eight with just over nine and a half minutes of the game remaining, then finished on a 37-8 to run in the final 9 minutes and 35 seconds. Just an absolutely absurd closing kick. And even though the Jazz were undermanned in this game, give them a lot of credit because, first off, Rodney Hood played out of his mind. He kept the minute. Rodney Hood's one of those guys. He comes off that bench and he scores 26 points in 31 minutes, most in the first three quarters. And all of a sudden, you have that with a team led by Quinn Snyder that knows the X's and O's of defense. They can muck it up, and for a while they had success. When both teams went small in the third quarter, the Rockets with Ryan Anderson at the five, the Jazz playing five out, there were a lot of backdoor cuts. The Rockets weren't necessarily used to defending that. They do that a lot. They don't always have to defend it. The defense was a little lethargic. And going into the game, you might would have expected, this is a game, game five of a seven-game homestand for the Rockets. Maybe the intensity isn't there. You also don't have that many reinforcements. Luke Bamute still out with the shoulder injury. Clint Capella came back, but because Clint Capella came back, Nene was out due to rest. So you're without two of your rotation regulars. Rockets really only played seven players in this game. Tarek Black got a courtesy three-minute run in the first half. Didn't play that well. Was minus five in his three minutes. They did not return to the game. Really, in the second half, I don't think it's necessarily that Tarek played that poorly. It's that the Rockets were behind the eight ball. Their options were limited. Ryan Anderson had another scoreless night. Did not play that well, though he did swing the ball well. Had four assists in his 19 minutes. But every other player, your other four starters... James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Trevor Ariza, and then your two big guns off the bench, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, all of those guys played at least 34 minutes. Trevor logged 40-plus, 41 tonight for the third consecutive game. And actually, it did not take a toll on Trevor's efficiency at all. 15 points, 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 5 from behind the arc, plus 25 in his 41 minutes. Trevor was an Ironman, and it's as crazy as it is to say, you give the Rockets a hell of a lot of credit for their defensive intensity. I know... Going into the the fourth quarter, the Jazz had 84 points in the first three quarters, so that doesn't exactly sound like great defense. But in reality, a lot of it just happened because, well, there were a few minutes in the third where the Rockets fell asleep, the backdoor cuts, I think they weren't necessarily used to that scheme. And then Rodney Hood just played out of his mind. Rodney Hood is one of those guys, when he gets hot, he can put up points in a hurry. As far as what the Jazz want to do, the Rockets actually defended that well. The Jazz only got off 27 threes. They want to take a lot more than that in terms of the percentage of their shots that are from threes. Uh, the Jazz... the the number that David Locke, their play-by-play -play guy, told me tonight, they like to take uh, close to 40% of their shots from behind the arc. Instead, they had just 27 in their 91 field goal attempts from three. And in addition to that, their big guns, between Joe Ingles, uh, Joe Johnson, and Donovan Mitchell, they were a combined one of 12 from behind the arc. 
So the Rockets' defense, the intensity was actually there. If anything, what the Rockets struggled with until the fourth quarter was shot-making. It was the Rockets that were th- through three quarters at just 79 points, and it seemed like that they were just ice cold from three until in the fourth quarter, everything started going down. Again, 37-8 to closing kick, 41-15 to overall. And to me, more than anything else, it's about the team, and that was the kind of close to the game that that's there's just another gear that the Rockets have that I would say only Golden State in the NBA has. What makes a great team great isn't that you just dominate over the course of 48 minutes, because especially in the regular season, that's impossible in the NBA. There are too many games, there are too many you know, minor nicks and bruises like the Rockets have had plenty of in the last week. Clint Capella had an enormous night coming off the bruise heel. We know all that James Harden has been through. Chris Paul has missed about half the season this year. Great teams are not going to be great just 48 minutes every game out of 82. That's not reasonable. What makes great teams great is that they are able to elevate their game in a short period of time that pretty much no one can can match. And you don't know when that's going to come. You don't know when that huge burst is going to be there. But when it is, boy, there's just no one that can keep up. And in this case, it was that second unit yet again early in the fourth quarter led by Chris Paul and Eric Gordon that got it done. And that, to me, it's just special when the Rockets were able to kick it into that gear. In some ways, it was reminiscent of last Monday's game against the Pelicans. Now, that was James Harden leading the way, and this one, Harden had 26 points, uh, second only to Eric Gordon, but he was 6 of 17 from the field. Again, not nearly as explosive. Did get to the line 10 times, which is nice. That kind of kept the Rockets uh, in striking distance in the first three. But in the fourth quarter, Folks, it was not the James Harden show. It was that second unit again. And when Chris Paul and Eric Gordon got going, particularly Paul starting to penetrate and probe and getting the shots to Gordon, the Rockets put up points so quickly. When they were down eight with 9.35 to go, yeah, they went on a 37-8 run to close. Perhaps the most impressive part of it, they went on a 15 nothing run to go from down eight to up seven in less than, I think, no, excuse me, barely over two minutes, two minutes and 10 seconds of game time. That's phenomenal. That's a gear that only championship teams have, and it's one of those things you're never out of a game when you have when you have that sort of uh, tool in your arsenal. And, and the flip side, another team is never going to be confident. That's you know half the battle when you're as great as the Rockets is in establishing your middle dominance. And the Rockets are at a point now where a lot of these teams, quite frankly, are. Um, skeptical if they can win even before the opening tip, and that in and of itself is a huge advantage in the NBA, especially if you're trying to hold off the Golden State Warriors, who've won a ton of consecutive games in their own right, only two games behind the, the Rockets in the loss column in the battle for the West number one seed. We'll break it down with our three points recap. Why well, to start, not necessarily with an observation, just uh, talking about the team as a whole, what we take out of this. Again, 25-4, and four, 14 in a row, 20 of their last 21, just an incredible stretch of basketball since November 1st, now 5-0 and on the current homestand. As far as uh, three points, the main one I'm going to start with, I don't know how you can't begin with Eric Gordon. Look, I know uh, Chris Paul and James Harden were each brilliant. Clint Capella had a 20-20 game. Trevor Reason, we mentioned him earlier with his defense. But Eric Gordon, 33 points on 12 of 18 shooting, 7 of 12 from behind the arc. And, of course, in the fourth quarter, he was the guy. The Rockets went from down 8 to up one in a minute off of three Eric Gordon threes. It happened like that in a flash. That was the epitome of Flash Gordon, which is what the graphic they put up at Toyota Center when he gets going like that. And the reason it's, I'm going to start with Eric. Yeah, there's a lot of heroes tonight. Clint Capella, in terms of the difference maker, plus 35 in 35 minutes, just insane, 24 and 20. But I'm going to start with Eric because 10 days ago, well, shoot, not even 10 days ago, We'll say eight days ago, last Sunday, I still had people going into this five-game homestand 
asking me when is Eric Gordon going to, going to get going again? Because from November 12th until December 9th, that's 10 games, basically a month of basketball, he shot 33% from the field, 20% from behind the arc. Even the Rockets were just winning all but one game in that stretch. The Rockets playing phenomenally well to start the year, especially with Chris Paul out. We talked about how Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, those are the variables. If you want to match the Warriors in terms of high-end talent, your best guys that are capable of playing at that high level are Eric and Clint. And Eric, we saw it a lot when Chris was out. Since Chris has come back, and it's not just because of Chris, it's more just kind of a uh, flukish coincidence, but Eric had not been the same as a shooter, even though in many cases he was getting better looks. Just look at tonight, the threes that he got in the fourth quarter off the feeds from Chris Paul. Well, on this homestand the past five games, he's shooting over 55% from the field, close to 55, uh, close to 50%, excuse me, from behind the arc. And again, that's the last five games. So, well, it's five games. Yeah, that's half the the size of his downturn the 10 games prior. It felt like longer than it was because in part of it, there was a lot of time in terms of actual days in the slump for Eric Gordon. There were not that much in terms of actual games because if you recall, the Rockets had a couple of extended off stretches, only one game in four nights, weird stuff like that. And in reality, within five games, he's turned it around to where all of a sudden his season-long efficiency numbers are really perking up again, and we're starting to see him look like the guy he was when he was an all-star level player through the first almost a month of the season. And the reality of it, I don't know that his true value is quite at that all-star level. I think last year, part of what happened to him in the second half of the year uh, was certainly some fatigue issues. He got overextended a little bit, both in terms of minutes and role, his usage. I think the reality, in addition to all of that, he's he's streaky. I think his overall numbers are probably going to be good, but over the course of a year, there's going to be plenty of peaks and valleys for him. In an ideal world, would he be more consistent? Yes, but at the same time, I think we need to realize in year two of Eric Gordon, especially in this high-volume attack that the Rockets have under Mike D'Antoni that gets so many looks, I don't think that um, you, you can reasonably expect him to just be this consistent guy who shoots in the 40s, especially with the green light that he always has. One of those threes in the fourth was literally from about 30 feet. And so he's going to have stretches like tonight where he's brilliant. He's going to have others where he struggles. I think what you want to see from him, one, that even when he struggles from three, he still has the athleticism. He's still healthy enough to drive to the bucket and make some plays off the dribble. That's why I never got too down on him in that 10-game downstretch from the field. He was still making plays off the dribble, did still have a positive impact defensively from time to time. But now that he's going again, folks, he can be a legitimate difference maker. And if you catch him on an upswing in, say, a seven-game series against the Warriors, that's the kind of thing that can put you around a team that has you know, a decent chance to all of a sudden a team that may have too many playmakers, even for the Warriors. That's how good the Rockets are when they have all three of those guys, Paul, Gordon, and Harden cooking. And Harden himself, you know, tonight, as I said, 6 or 17, 4 or 12, Harden wasn't even at his best, and yet it felt like the Rockets were overwhelming just based on uh, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon in the fourth. That's how important Eric Gordon is. He's got it going again, and the best part of it, because of that streakiness, like I said, I think that's a part of his game, and you know we need to accept it. A year ago, when he's probably your second best playmaker, that's sort of a problem, because with Gordon's your second best playmaker, you're probably overextending him a little bit to begin with in terms of asking him to break down, and then secondly, if Harden's either cold on a given night, or if it's like the past week when Harden's had a few nicks and bruises, he's also had the cold, so Harden is not as explosive as he's been for most of this year, well, if Harden's not himself, and then you're leaning on Gordon, and Gordon's a little bit cold, then all of a sudden you can be in trouble over a short period of time, as opposed to now... Now that you have Chris Paul as kind of your 1A, 1B with James Harden, 
you're not asking Eric Gordon to be any more than option three on your best Rockets team. Now, yes, I understand at times he's option two, such as that second unit when he's up there with Chris Paul. But the point is, before you had Chris Paul, you'd be asking Eric Gordon to be option one in those minutes early in the second and fourth quarters. So Eric Gordon, you're not putting him in that number one option. So it's one of those things, if he's cold for a few games, you can mitigate that a lot better because you have another guy, certainly you have one of the Hall of Fame point guards out there at all times, and theoretically uh, you have a lot of minutes that you have both of them, and you can actually close with both of them and not use Eric if he's cold on a given night. But the flip side, if he if he gets hot like he was tonight, boy, this team is unbeatable. And as I said, the the Jazz, I know without Gobert and Favors, they don't look like a great team. Now 14-17 and 17 on the year, but Quinn Snyder had them playing hard. They're very disciplined. They, they don't blow a lot of assignments defensively. So what happened in the fourth quarter? It wasn't the Jazz um, doing anything to themselves. The Rockets just hit it into a gear. And I think Eric Gordon uh, getting hot was the, the catalyst for it because certainly he made the shots, but he's also the variable. When you have that version of Eric Gordon, this team is just... Um, almost unbeatable. It's almost unfair. And so was Eric Gordon necessarily the best player on the floor tonight? I don't know, because there were a couple others that were really, really good too. But I'm going to say in terms of uh, importance of the game, big picture, seeing Eric go 12 of 18 from the field for 33 points in 36 minutes, uh, that's going to be my lead item. Second on the list, and probably a little bit unfairly, Clint Capella. 24 and 20, 10 of 12 from the field, two blocks. He missed Saturday's game with a bruised heel. I saw some people in the afternoon when he got upgraded to probable saying on Twitter, maybe the Rockets should rest him more because, you know, the Jazz without Gobert and Favors don't look that good. Well, first off, uh, look at what would have happened if they had. I think it was obvious the Nay probably needed the game off. He was supposed to rest on Saturday, had 16 points in the first half and seemed to kind of run into a fatigue wall in the second. So he got Nene the night off and then without Bob Mute, it's a short rotation anyway. The Rockets only played seven players and just think just think what this could have been if Clint Capella did not play. The first three quarters of the game, Capella, I believe, had 19 and 15, if I, if I remember correctly. I mean, he was a beast down low. He took advantage, which you would expect him to do, without Gobert and Favors. That's another benefit. You know, people say, yeah, it's a weaker matchup. Well, it's also an opportunity for him to shine. And certainly he did and took advantage. And Clint Capella... Running the floor, doing the dirty work, also had three assists. I thought, as I said, both Clint and Ryan uh, did a very good job of moving the ball. Seven assists between them. The Jazz came in with a game plan of not really letting Chris Paul and James Harden do that much probing. Harden had six assists for the game. Paul ended up with ten, but eight came in that fourth quarter run. He actually had two assists with only ten minutes left in the game. So early on, uh, those first three quarters, I thought Quinn Snyder did a hell of a job from X's and O's perspective combination of Rodney Hood getting caught, the Rockets being lethargic, perfect storm, and the Jazz were up eight, and it could have been a lot worse. As I said, I thought the Rockets uh, defensively showed a lot of grit. Uh, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, they were good with their assignments, even though, of course, there were some some low lights, the blown backdoor cuts, Ryan Anderson, James Harden, don't think they were particularly uh, adept late in the third quarter. But in general, the Rockets, even though it was very pretty in the third, in the fourth quarter, they had to grind just to keep it in striking distance, and Clint Capella was the guy who did that. 24-20, and 20, and when it, he didn't have that many big buckets. He did have a huge three-point play in that 15-0 run, but Clint didn't have that many huge buckets in the fourth quarter, but it was what he did in the first three. He kept the Rockets afloat when James Harden was struggling. Clint Cap- I mean, Chris Paul could not get his usual drive and kick game going. 
Eric Gordon was about the only thing they really had going on. Ryan Anderson was scoreless. So Clint doing the dirty work down low, he kept them afloat. He kept them in striking distance. And then, of course, he was out there in the fourth quarter, uh, 24 and 20, plus 35 for the game. And the biggest part of all, 35 minutes. I get so tired of hearing people question Clint Capella about his stamina. Because when you look at his game log, he has proven that he's capable of playing more minutes this year. I know he hasn't done it lately, and of course recently you had the issue with uh, the bruised heel in the San Antonio game, which caused him to miss a game. But you go back through October and November, I'm looking at his October lines. He played 32 minutes, 31, 28. In November he played 31 minutes, 35, 32. That was three and four nights. Had 30, 28, 28 uh, the last three games of November. I know in December, it's lagged a little bit, and for the season, I understand that he's at uh, just over 25 minutes a game, and there are some folks that look at that number and say, what's the issue with his stamina? Well, folks, when you are his size, when you are almost 7 feet tall, just a physical monster, I know he's listed at 240, he's closer to 260 or so now, uh, the Rockets are very acutely aware of the stress that goes on his feet. Now you got the bruised heel on top of it. You don't want to run your big man to death, which is what's going to happen in this scheme if you throw him out there 35 minutes a night for the sake of going 35 minutes a night. And the Rockets have the luxury of being a great enough team that a lot of games, they don't need Clint Capella to win games or for it to even, they're not even it's not like all of a sudden these games are even close. For the, for the most part, these games have not even been close for the Rockets this season. So a lot of the muted minute total for Clint Capella is by design. I know there have been certain games, certain matchups where there is some fatigue. And I'm not going to say his conditioning is perfect. Uh, it, you know, Dan Tony's called it out from time to time just because it's the one thing that's within Clint's control and they know he works hard and, you know, there's nothing wrong with continuing to get better at it. And as I said, there's certain situations where, you know, sure, uh, given the matchup, given what the workload is, he's not perfect at it. But in general, I think the concern is overblown. And you look at tonight, again, coming off the bruised heel, plus 35 in 35 minutes. And, you know, he was strong up and down the floor in the fourth quarter as well during that run. I would not worry about the minutes with Clint Capella. I think, again, I think it's just sort of a red herring that a lot of folks focus on because it's very non-traditional to see your starting center, a guy who you think of on an efficiency basis being at an all-star level, playing 25 minutes per game. But a lot of that's by design. A lot of that's because the Rockets are, have a good enough team that's not necessary to. And in general, if it's not necessary, you don't want your big men, because big men are notorious for having foot issues, to be subjected to that pounding night after night. But what we have seen from time to time, and I think Monday was more evidence of that, in addition to the great efficiency, in addition to the work ethic, in addition to being better defensively, not fouling as much. So I see Capella had uh, three fouls early in the third quarter, then only had one the rest of the game. So he was able to defend without fouling, rim protection's better. He's a beast on the glass, 20 tonight, all those great things. But in addition to it, I am what I'm seeing from Clint, he is able to play 30-plus minutes when the situation calls for it. I don't think that's going to be every night, and hopefully the Rockets don't need him to do that every night. Certainly don't doesn't seem like they need to now, but when they need it, he's there for them, and certainly 24 points, 20 rebounds, plus 35, just a massive, massive showing for Clint. Again, this is all coming off a bruised heel. Earlier in the day, he was questionable. So just a phenomenal return to the lineup for Clint Capella, and the Rockets needed it because otherwise it was a pretty uh, sluggish night for them in the first three quarters, but his, I think, 19 and 15 through three is what kept them afloat. Now the third and final point of our three-point segment, folks, uh, for point three, I'm going to go with CP3. 
18 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds for the game. Such a fun night for the Rockets, but just imagine if uh, Chris Paul just had one more rebound. It would have been a great game. Just kidding. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes as I say that. But what really impressed me about Chris Paul, I was doing some stats for the Jazz broadcast tonight because, of course, Dave, David Locke, uh, founder of this Lockdown Podcast Network with so many great shows across the NBA and NFL. He's the radio play-by-play for the Jazz. And so I was helping him out with stats, some trends for both teams. And one of the things that he had me watching were were the shots or the the field goal makes and misses off of passes directly from Chris Paul and Donovan Mitchell. And for Donovan Mitchell, by the way, this Donovan Mitchell, Jazz rookie, actually tonight just had six points, three of seven shooting, and one assist. Chris Paul first in the league in terms of field goal percentage off of passes, uh, directly off of passes. Donovan Mitchell third. The Jazz just did not get very many looks, period. One thing the Rockets did, they took them out of their regular offense. As I said, they didn't get off the threes they wanted, certainly not in quality, but not quantity as well. Donovan Mitchell, they controlled him off the off the dribble. Trevor Reza deserves a lot of credit for that with his length, his versatility. Also saw Chris for a few possessions as well. But the, as I said, the Jazz threw three quarters, threw three plus, threw three plus the first two minutes of the, uh, uh, of the fourth. They did their job as well. And then it just seemed like uh, Chris kicked it into another gear. Certainly, he made three threes. He had a couple of threes late in the third quarter that were instrumental in keeping the Rockets uh, afloat. But what was really impressive in the fourth quarter from Chris, the stat that David had me keeping track on, which is uh, field goal percentage directly off of his passes, they were 2 of 5, the Rockets, through the first, what, 38 minutes of the game? Then in the last 10 minutes, they were 8 of 8. And nearly all, I think all but one, were from behind the three-point arc. So, certainly Chris got much better at probing, but in addition to everything else, I thought Chris did a very good job of pushing the pace, because some of those threes, they happened in transition, and that's big, because folks, you know, everyone knows Chris Paul's style of game, yes, he's one of the top 10 players, but a question that they had about the Chris Paul fit in the Mike D'Antoni system, besides just sharing the ball between Chris Paul and James Harden, which I think by now, it's proven that that's just a ridiculous complaint. But in addition to the normal stuff, a lot of people said Chris Paul traditionally has been one of the slower-paced point guards in the NBA, looking at how the Clippers walk it up the floor. Can he adjust to this offense in Houston, where Mike D'Antoni, you know, of course they play with pace, but as D'Antoni told us before the game, the Rockets effectively divide up the shot clock into quadrants, four, six-second quadrants. They like all their action being in the first two. Well, in the fourth quarter, it felt like, to me, it wasn't just a matter of Chris Paul made an adjustment, although, you know, he did probe a little bit harder. I think him hitting a couple of threes maybe loosened up the defense a little bit. More than that, I think he pushed the pace. I think that... Maybe maybe the Rockets weren't capable of doing that for the entire game, but I think the Jazz were so locked into the half-court sets, I think you saw, and of course it helped the Rockets' defense force some uh, some misses, because it's always easier to run after misses than it is to run after makes. But even with the defensive help, at the same time, it still takes Chris leading the break, leading the way, and for a guy that, you know, maybe a little bit unfairly, but reality is, has been tracked as one of the slower point guards in the game in terms of how he uh, manages an offense over the past few years. The situation dictated for the Rockets to push that pace. That's when they were getting better looks in transition before the Jazz defense could set up, uh, especially from five steps behind the arc, which Eric Gordon was a couple of times. The situation called for it, and Chris Paul adjusted. And again, uh, 18, 10, and 9. But of those 10 assists, 8 came in the final 10 minutes Eight of eight, and so yeah, on thirteen, the, the Rockets attempted thirteen shots 
directly off of passes from Chris Paul by my tracking, and they made 10 of them, and again, 8 of 8 in the final 10 minutes. So, yes, we've seen Chris Paul, the scorer. He, he's done that plenty this year, including Saturday night when he closed it out, but what makes Chris Paul a top 10 player is that it's not just about any one dimension to his game. Yes, there's a scoring. Yes, there's a defense. And of course, on top of all that, there's the leadership, the overall situational awareness, and what I call just being a floor general. And he did that tonight. Certainly the 10 assists, but I think in addition to the 10 assists, it's how he got them, recognizing the flow of the game. They pushed the tempo more in the fourth quarter. I think that was essential to getting guys like Eric Gordon, who again, 7 of 12 from behind the arc, 33 points in his 36 minutes. Trevor Reese at 3 of 5 from behind the arc. I thought Chris was instrumental in getting them their looks. And even though I mentioned him early, I'm not going to give James Harden, you know, as crazy as it is, James Harden, I would not say he was one of the three most focal points tonight, just because that's how great Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, and Clint Capella were. It's amazing you can have a guy like James Harden, who's, in my opinion, the clear MVP frontrunner in the league, and he may have been your fourth best player tonight. That shows you how great the Rockets are as a team. But just as Clint Capella led the way in the first three quarters, James Harden sort of did as well, even though his shot wasn't falling, less explosive, got to the free throw line 10 times, made all 10. That's a step in the right direction because James had a couple of games late where he missed three or four free throws. He refined the stroke, got to the line, and that's the key to getting it going when you're not as explosive. Can you get to the line? Can you just grind? And I thought that James did a great job of grinding through those first three quarters. He and Clint kept them close. And then in the fourth quarter was when uh, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, to a lesser extent, uh, Clint Capella as well, uh, took them home with just an absurd 37-8 closing kick. So, all that said, uh, this, I think that'll about do it for this Monday night from Toyota Center in Houston. Once again, the happy, happy final from Toyota Center. Rockets 120, Jazz 99. Rockets have now won 14 straight games. They're 25-4 and four on the year, number one in the Western Conference. They've also won 20 of their past 21. This is just a ridiculous basketball team right now, and I don't know uh, any other way to say it. Now 5-0 and on the current homestand, and you can see them again. Uh, two more games this homestand, Clippers on Friday and the Lakers on Wednesday. So the two L.A. teams to close it out before, of course, getting ready for that big Rockets-Thunder matchup on Christmas night in Oklahoma City. So until Wednesday, if you want to talk with me more about the Rockets, the easiest way to do so is on Twitter. I'm at Ben Dubose. The show is at Lockdown Rockets. Also, go to our Lockdown Rockets Facebook page. That's new as of today, facebook.com slash Lockdown Rockets. Follow us there, and that's going to be another way that we can get you some exclusive content. Facebook has the best live platform, so you know, occasional chats, Q&A with the listeners, pre- and post-game sessions. I think that's going to be our best avenue for doing some live things. So, yes. It's new, but give us a shot on Facebook, and I think you'll like some of the content we have there in the coming weeks as well. And, of course, that also goes with our new website, LockedInRockets.com, where we have lots of uh, news throughout uh, every day. It's a busy time in Rockets land, including today, where we had the story it's the lead on our website right now of Chris Paul winning um, Player of the Week in the Western Conference. It's the fourth Player of the Week award for the Rockets this season out of nine weeks. No other team in the NBA has more than two such awards. The Rockets have four. Again, Harden has three, and Chris Paul now with one from this past week. Chris averaging 26 points, almost eight assists, and over three steals per game in that run. Also, six rebounds. And, of course, the Rockets going 4-0 in that stretch. Now, 14-0 since Chris Paul returned from injury. 15-0 with Chris Paul in the lineup. Uh, the, the best undefeated run for a new player in a new situation since Elias began tracking box scores in 1970. So that just shows you what an amazing, incredible stretch this is for the Rockets and just how seamlessly Chris Paul is fitting in. So, yeah, I don't know how to say it any better than that, so I'll leave it 
right there, folks. Enjoy this one, Houston. Once again, 120-99 final Rockets winners back in action Wednesday night against the Lakers. And I look forward to talking with you guys again then. For now, have a good evening.